0: Hey guys, just a quick note before we begin that the show may contain spoilers and adult language, but that's just because we know how to have a good time. Stick around, you'll be glad you did.
1: You are here for me to enlighten you. If you ever act like this again, you're barred for life. It's just violent, bass. It's kind of embarrassing. If you know your lines, then you can forget them. Oh, I
0: get it, it's very clever. <laughs> Hello, peoples, and welcome to Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. My name is Jason Peters. With me, as always, is the man who spent seven years as Benicio Del Toro's personal drug wrangler, Mr. Ryan (laughs) Seabold. What's up, Jason? How's
1: it going, buddy?
0: Pretty good, man. Pretty good. I am here and we are talking about movies, so really doesn't get too much better than that, man. I know. (laughs) And for today, we are here to discuss an interesting film from a filmmaker who I historically have really not liked, but spoiler alert, actually really enjoyed this film. We are here to look at Wes Anderson's French Dispatch. Do you have a description for us, buddy?
1: I do, from 2021, which is shocking to me, because I could have swore this was 22, but uh, yeah, 2021, this is an older movie than I, I thought I just remember it was, it was COVID lockdown. The, the years are all the same. Yeah, it all kind of <laughs> <laughs> together, that's true. 2021's French Dispatch. Google has this described as a love letter to journalists set in an outpost of an American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city, that brings to life a collection of stories published in the French dispatch magazine. Uh, this was directed by Wes Anderson and uh, made on a budget of 25 million, brought in a theatrical release of 46 million. So uh, pretty consistent, I think, with uh, the kind of return you'd expect from a Wes Anderson film. This was shot as always by longtime time. Uh, collaborator of Wes Anderson, Robert Yellman. And uh, there's some impeccable cinematography in this film. We're going to talk about all those Absolutely. things. Yeah. Uh, but before we do, I got to ask you, as, as always, Jason, what did you think about this movie, buddy?
0: Ryan, I'm going to be happy to tell you. First, do want to ask our audience, if you haven't yet, go ahead and please like and subscribe to this and all of our videos. Really helps out the algorithm. Show us some of that love, y'all. And then also, we do want to hear from you if you agree or disagree with any aspect of this review. Go ahead and drop it in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe we'll even get back to you. So, Ryan, uh, one thing I want to say is that I really enjoyed this film. Again, it's kind of surprising because I'm not historically a huge Wes Anderson guy, but also kind of working against going into the film. I'm not a huge anthology guy when it comes to film. Okay. Even in like the written form, like anthologies are a nice sort of like palette cleanser from time to time, but I can't say that I really love them as much as I love just a full novel. And in that same way, I don't really love anthology films the same way that I would love a traditional narrative film. So you've got anthology film for a guy who doesn't love anthology films, Wes Anderson for a guy who doesn't love Wes Anderson films. I was a little nervous coming in here and go figure. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, for a lot of the reasons that you mentioned and more, we'll dive into that shortly. Why don't you tell me what you thought? High
1: level, I love this movie, and I am a Wes Anderson fan. I just think that, okay. uh, man, you really got to be in the mood for some Wes Anderson. It's a very, very <laughs> <laughs> specific thing. Yeah, for specific sure. thing that you're about to watch. He is an auteur <laughs> by every definition of the word. Um, mm-hmm. Within just a few minutes, I could tell you. Oh, that's a Wes Anderson directed film. Like it's yeah. Seven seconds is all you need, (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, uh, you know, aside from maybe the Coens, would be the only other modern day auteurs that I could think of that are so easily identifiable by the way their dialogue is written, um, by the way they shoot, uh, by the whimsy and playfulness of their characters, and all the things narratively uh, that are going on. There is so much going on in this film. Um, Huge exposition dumps. It's so literary. Um, so much so that you feel at times as though you're missing stuff and you want to pause and rewind it. You don't have to. Um, it just warrants a rewatch. I think that you this is one of those films that you could watch a few different times and get more out of it each time you watch it, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think that this film is so well layered, um, both visually, stylistically. Uh, you know, there, there are multiple mediums and aspect ratios. You got animation, black and white, hyper-saturated color, four by three. <laughs> I mean, he's playing <laughs> with some shit here. Uh, you would think yeah. that would all be a little overwhelming. At times, it can be uh, in Wes Anderson films. Uh, I'm looking at you, Grand Budapest Hotel. But um, <laughs> yeah, and this one, maybe it was because of the novella uh styles uh you know the, the fact that it, there were you know short vignettes going on that it made a little more digestible but um so sure. i didn't feel like i needed to gather all the information for a two-hour narrative that i'm just garnering enough to get me through the next 20 or 30 minutes <laughs> so um and then we move on but they all are interconnected tons of talent in this film uh we're gonna get to all those yeah. things but high level uh that's uh yeah i really love this movie Yeah, absolutely. So you kind of touched on it, but I think the first
0: aspect of this film that really jumps out is its visual style. Right. Mm -hmm. And also coupled with that that we can touch on later is the score. I think those two things work very much in synchronicity with one another to really establish the Wes Anderson aesthetic that we like think of. But it's you know, his films are heavily stylized, first of all. Uh, They're also very idiosyncratic, right? You mentioned it, like no other film feels like a Wes Anderson film. Now, as cool as that is, I will say that I do think there's some legitimate criticisms that come along with that, right? And so for me, one of the aspects that's always held me back, and, and I think it shows in this film despite ultimately overcoming it because of its comedic sensibilities, is that these characters come at the expense of feeling like real people. Right. Sure. Even in even in this film, like no Wes Anderson character feels like a real person. Right. It's not somebody you're going to meet in real life out in public, out at the store. It's it's a very sort of literary type of character creation. Right. And look, that's great. That's super cool. Right. If you're going to tell because this movie is is it's like broad. It's very broad and. It's almost like a caricature of the stories that it's telling while also showing them respect. It's not disrespectful in the way that it's a caricature but everything is so much larger than life and the performances are all very broad and like even down to like Tilda Swinton doing like the hammiest Barbara (laughs) Walters impression you've ever heard in your life right yeah (laughs) and it's great it's fun it's entertaining but again like she's not a real person she's doing a cartoon character and a very fun one at that so I do sort of get the Criticism that a Wes Anderson character doesn't feel like a real person. Again, that's that's largely what I've struggled with in the past. But again, I think in the past he's also tried to tell very sort of human stories, and I think that my that for me it, it's hard to say, hey, here's a human story told by way of non-human characters. So then when you come to a, a movie like The French Dispatch, where it's like, hey, here's a non-human story told non-human characters are cool. Like those pieces fit together. Right. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes juxtaposition works. Like when we talked about before with the mode, the the one we do, we just did one wolf and cub, but uh, you know, sometimes I don't think it quite does with these films. So, so yeah. So I think all of that adds up to make like a, you know, a really fun experience basically.
1: Right. Um, And like the Coen brothers do that very well, you know, with, with making because their characters aren't real life characters as well. Um, but some of them borderline, right? I think like Fargo actually does a pretty good. Right. Job. Okay, I'll give you that. Um, but yeah. you know, but then you'll have like
0: Raising Arizona, where they're just back to being cartoon characters, or Big or like,
1: Lebowski, or yeah, yeah, Hudsucker Proxy that we've covered on this show. They, they kind
0: of do both. That's really interesting. I've never really considered that. But just as we're discussing this right now, like like the Coen Brothers have a, a weird thing where they'll go. Even we've talked about that in Hudsucker Proxy, right? Right. Where some of the characters felt like real people, and some of the, the and then like you had these ancillary characters who were just. Giant cartoon characters and impressions of personas. Sure, that's interesting. I never really identified that. But even in those
1: continue. moments with the Cohens, um, I- I'm allowed to feel pathos or or put myself in those characters' shoes and go along for that ride. I don't feel like I can ever do that with a Cohen bro- or with a uh, Wes Anderson movie. Like Wes Anderson yeah. is just me watching a stage play. You know, it's me on yeah. the outside looking in, <laughs> and it's very proscenium view shot. It feels very you know stage play esque. Um, yeah, but. But it's fun and it's full of whimsy and it um, and it's so rich and textured um, and and everything he's doing he's doing so perfect uh, it's OCD to the nth degree uh, every you know so he's not half assing any of it he is whole assing all of it so much so that it feels overwhelming <laughs> at times um, Wes Anderson right. to me is like a port wine or a rich dessert. Like you really have to be in the mood for it. And it's to be taken mm. in very small doses, which is why I was glad that I know you give me a lot of shit about this, but I was glad that this movie was once again only an hour and a half because I think watching two plus <laughs> hours of this would have made my eyes bleed. I mean there's a lot going on that you're taking in there is um, sure. in every of single overload. shot. It, there's no shot that it feels glanced over or oh this is just an establishing shot everything means something there's so much rich detail going on the characters are like you know so well developed uh and most of them by the way are only on screen for you know, moments. Um, I feel like there were yeah, 47 yeah. actors that all had, you know, three minutes of screen time in this film. So <laughs> uh, with the exception of just a few like Jeffrey Wright uh, that kind of stuck around or Benicio Del Toro, yeah, but great. most of the film, I mean, blink and you'll miss Willem Dafoe. He's barely in this film. Um, sure. Even Bill Murray, Christoph that's Waltz like same. Uh, kind of anchors the whole cast uh, is, is not in this film very much and just has a few lines of dialogue. But as such, I feel like all the actors, because they were only on set for probably just a few days, could really lean in and give it their all and ham this shit up. Like you say, Tilda Swinton uh, <laughs> with what I can only imagine is a dental fixture of sorts uh, to yeah. give her a bit of a lisp and, and a big toothy smile. Um, everybody is is giving 120% and uh, really, really yeah. hamming it up. And um, But the dialogue can be a little overwhelming. It feels very literary. Um, the best comparison yeah, that I could... Uh, give to this. I don't know if, have you ever read Kurt Vonnegut? Like, are you a fan of Kurt Vonnegut? Cause that's what it seemed like to me is like, um, like specifically the book breakfast of champions. Um, that I think yeah. I, I uh, in a conversation with you previously, called The Breakfast Club. It's not The Breakfast Club at all. <laughs> <laughs> it is not so. The
0: Breakfast Club, no, yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, and also contains my personal
0: uh, nomination for the most oddly named protagonist of all time in Kilgore
1: Trout. Kilgore Trout. But Kilgore Trout could be a Wes Anderson character.
0: <laughs> sounds like you've got a bunch of peanut butter in your mouth. You're like, Kilgore Trout? Yes, Trying to, you know, but tell me, <laughs>
1: tell me that could not be a Wes Anderson character in the French Dispatch. Oh yeah, no, one hundred percent, yeah, absolutely,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and you're right, just because of the the way the way that the dialogue is written, you know, I, again, you you noted it perfectly with the term literary, right? It it oftentimes. The characters are reading this dialogue that you can imagine reading in a book. And and while it's impressive and while especially it provides like Jeffrey Wright, for example, to do some wonderful things through voiceover narration, especially it's almost too much. Right. In terms of like so you so you mentioned like the aesthetic can be too much of the visuals, the dialogue, etc. Sometimes the nature of the dialogue and how many words he's cramming in to a given passage can be a little much, right? In a right. book, if I'm reading a super dense passage with a lot of words and heavily specific vocabulary, I can pause. I can slow down to allow my mind time to sort of digest. I can go back and reread something if it didn't 100% process. And it doesn't interrupt that reading experience, right? Yeah. Obviously, with a film, we don't have that same – Luxury. We can't just stop and rewind in the middle of a darkened theater with a bunch of people around us. And so there are times where you do miss stuff. But also I think it's not necessarily in the sense of like, oh, but it's super rewarding to go back and see what you missed, right? You kind of just it, – it's – you capture the overall flair even if you're missing some of the specific words. But it actually turns out that, like, economy of dialogue is not something that he was going for on this one. <laughs> right. Like, he is spending – Ten words to say five, right? Like, arguably too many words in this film, right? Sure. I forget forget what film that's from. There's a film where it's like, oh, there's too many words. If anybody watching remembers that film, please put it in the comments. It's going to drive me crazy. (laughs) But someone had
1: a problem with the script having too many words. I think there are moments in Wes Anderson films, too, that you know, you get the gist and you can move past it. Like it's obviously the, the dialogue is very dense. Um, I also will yeah. feel, but, but they, oh, finishing my thought that this, this is not one of those films. I feel like, um, there's a lot of, uh, necessary stuff that you need to pick up, especially in the first act of the film where he's setting up what the French dispatch is, who these characters are, what world we're living in. um, And then we kind of move on from there. But um, by the way,
0: uh, let me interrupt real quick by just
1: saying, do you think that their financial troubles had anything
0: to do with the fact that they were a department based out of France that wrote for a seemingly a very small local newspaper in Kansas? (laughs) Does that seem like it's a financially viable business model?
1: Not I at know. all. Was
0: just asking questions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was like <laughs> social media questions. before social media existed, I guess. It's <laughs> trying to globally connect us. Um, but yeah, couldn't imagine why. The whole thing seemed like an act of self-indulgence by these people that just wanted to go tour around and sure. fuck off. Yeah. So I think Absolutely. that was more or less just the having point. fun with it. Yeah. These yeah. are frivolous folks. Um but by the way, also
0: I love that the town is called ennui Sir sur Blase. Right? Like En is when you're just like uh, there's no meaning to life. Everything is meaningless. And blasé is when you're just like, find everything to be completely boring. <laughs> I didn't pick <make> up <laughs> on that. That's fantastic. Yeah, uh, uh, apparently the literal French translation, uh, translation is boredom on apathetic.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I, I will say too that this film and, and some of his more recent ones like Grand Budapest have seemingly gotten more dense. Like, he seems to be leaning more into okay. that. Whereas if you go into his earlier work, like Royal Tenenbaums or Life Aquatic, uh, you know, stuff that, or even Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's my personal favorite uh, of his. Nice. You know, it's it's playful and it's definitely dense, but he gives you those moments to digest before just moving right on. But this is just, like, so much uh, thrown yeah. at you that it just felt like a really, really rich dessert, like that you only need like sure. that, that much of, you know, and, and it comes on the little plate and it's all drizzled with the sauce and stuff. Um, but you take one little bite and you're like, oh my God, like it just, yeah, it's, it's very, flavor. very intense. <laughs> yeah. Guy so, Fieri just took me to Flavor tan. Right, right. But, um, but, uh, in spite of all of that, it remained, it wasn't so, High art that it lost its sense of fun and playfulness and whimsy. It Mm -hmm. allowed you to be a kid, you know, in your mind, kind of going along this thing and laugh. The jokes landed with me. I thought it was very funny um, at times. Uh, Chalamet has a line, uh, something along the lines of, I'm still shy about my muscle, my new muscles, but her large, stupid eyes watched me pee. Or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. very, very high art, but still, like, totally silly and stupid, you know? And, and uh, so you can just kind of laugh along and roll with the punches. Um, the Benicio Del Toro stuff, again, cutting back and forth between color, black and white, 4-3 aspect ratio, and some really cool cinematography. Um, there's a whole-ass action scene in the prison that freeze frames. And you've got Adrian Brody oh, in right. there. And everybody's, great, you yeah. know, kung fu fighting uh, and throwing bottles and stuff. <laughs> and everybody is frozen but you could tell that they're just like holding that pose and things are being suspended as Benicio stands up and walks through the frame and interacts with certain people. And some people are kind of moving. Um, But uh, yeah, everybody's, you know, kind of just like frozen, holding the poses of action and stuff. So uh, again, very whimsical, very fun. uh, And the jokes land with me always. I, I I do love me some Wes Anderson in very small doses, limited engagement with that guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that sequence in particular is great. So that's like a theatrical device known as Tableau, right, where the actors all like kind of make like a living painting or something, you know. And so cool. he he basically takes that and sets up like a series of them that reflect this bar fight and the camera uninterruptedly like goes from one to the other. And that sequence was spectacular. It's funny, you mentioned earlier that his films do have this theatrical quality, and that's absolutely true. And to me, I like I'll take it a step further. This guy, like to me, like Wes Anderson, when I watch his films, I'm like, this is the cinematic equivalent of playing with dolls. Like, like he, he just feels <laughs> like he's playing with dolls using actors and sets that are actually yeah. just like real life size or something, right? But like in his head, he's like, and then I've got my little Bill Murray who comes down and he addresses the thing. Oh, and then oh look, it's our uh it's our friend uh, Kate Moss, and she's like blah 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 blah, <laughs> right? And then we like cut over here, and Owen Wilson goes up the Dream House, right? And it's like, yeah, it just feels like he's playing with dolls the entire time, and then he right. puts on this music that sounds like this fanciful teapot music i don't know like the the beatles were commissioned to like do this like melody for a series of music boxes or something right like <laughs> this so is just whimsical and fan, fancy free
1: jaunty is, also what is the word that i would use to describe <laughs> the score here it's very jaunty
0: <laughs> absolutely it's also what i'll say as well it's also why i find it somewhat i i still don't know the right word but it always calls attention to himself or to itself rather, when his characters use profanity. And I still don't really know why he has them use profanity because like nothing about his style and says that his characters should, and and they don't really, they'll just drop a random F-bomb somewhere. And like, it so sticks out because it's like, I feel like I'm playing with nine-year-old girls and all of a sudden like someone, like dad just came in and dropped an F-bomb or something. And you're like, I would normally think twice about this. I have the mouth of a sailor, but like in this specific environment, it seems odd.
1: You know? it, st- it definitely know stands out. Me. It might be intended to stand out. Um, but I'm yes, sure it does. Yeah. I agree. It's like, I'm not a kid, guys. See, I'm cool. I can drop it, F-bombs every now and then. To your See? point, you know, with, with the playing with dolls <laughs> analogy, um, you know, it, it has an innocence to it, you know, uh, and maybe yeah, that's exactly. why Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of my favorites of his, just because it really does lean into him playing with all <laughs> it's the yeah. the stop motion animation and and all of that so um uh, like you know, most of his films are
0: rated r there is yeah. no reason for most of his films to be rated r and it's because he just randomly inserts these f bombs i guess to remind people that he's still an adult or something it's weird
1: i don't get it very strange yeah because again yeah. It, it, the 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 overall aesthetic to his films is very highbrow it is very innocent uh, it's playful um, and whimsical. And then, you know, all of a sudden that. And, and so it, it stands yeah. out like a sore thumb every time. I agree with you. Yeah.
0: Also, just for everyone who who doesn't isn't familiar with us, like we get down on some F-bombs around here. We have no problem with it. Fucking but it's right. like make it consistent, right? Fucking right. Absolutely. <laughs> but like we're like we're dumb idiots. We can drop F-bombs and it sounds organic. When sure. you have got like Jeffrey Wright doing this like eight minute monologue with this like. You know, super as his super acting chops and stuff like that. Like, nah, dude, just just leave the man and his eloquence, right? Like, don't don't cheapen that dude's vibe. You know, like we have dumbass vibes, so give us the f bombs. It but, doesn't but not
1: Jeffrey, right? Bother me. It just stands out, it just and stands it's, out. it's an odd yeah. choice. It's not um, odd. Exactly, but one hundred percent. Let him have it. Uh, I think you know. Sure. Uh, it doesn't take away
0: from the film. It's just something it I that I just kind of wanted to put out. Sure. There. Like, right. It's not affecting my score to any sort of degree. It's just a kind of thing where I'm like, I don't quite understand that. And even after considering
1: it for a time, I still
0: don't, you know? Sure.
1: Yeah. So I anyways, don't either. But, I have got no answers for yeah. you, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but as is the case, you know, with every Wes Anderson film, you got the art department on full blast set deck going bananas. It's a beautiful film to watch with uh, Robert. Yeah, and Cinematography, uh, tons of detail and texture, Um, right down to uh, the moving background when Owen Wilson is riding his bike and, uh, you know, lots of Mm -hmm. old-style, you know, camera tricks and stuff like that. Uh, So, uh, and then, you know, the the cutaways like he does in Life Aquatic where he shows the side of the ship. He's got a lot of that in here as well where he'll go, you know, cut cut away the side of a building so you can see the skeleton of the building and watching everybody moving inside and what they're doing, going up and down ladders and using dumbwaiters and things like that. So, um, you know... Kind of takes it back to uh, a very innocent uh, old school style of filmmaking. And um, it's just fun to watch. And this is all of those things working harmoniously on full display. And uh, but uh, again, I think because it is a vignette style film uh, with a few different short stories, I think that made it a little more palatable to me. I got to go back and give Grand Budapest another go. Um, I just wasn't in the mood for how heavy handed that that was right out the gate. Um, but yeah. it, it does look fantastic. Um, going back, some of his earlier work uh, are, you know, are some of my favorite films. I love Darjeeling Limited. A lot of people don't give that film okay. a lot of credit. That one's a, a big one for me. I really love never that one. Never saw that one. Life Aquatic, obviously, classic, uh, and Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think those are... And then uh, I'll give you another one. Um, I've never seen Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, I think that's what it's called. And, uh oh, okay. Shame I'm on either, me. Yeah. Uh, I've heard nothing but great things about that film. People love that movie. So um, there's... Yeah. Some more meat on the old Wes Anderson bone, if you will. I need to go back and, <laughs> and get to. And this uh, kind of reminded me of that. I've, I've parked my Wes Anderson uh, viewing experience for too long. I need to go back and watch yeah. some of these. Just going to have to give it a few months <laughs>
0: to digest. Well, this and, and, and the cool thing is that we do have several of those on our master list uh, for those do. people who are watching who aren't familiar with our program when we're going to get into our like our long form like kicking off the regular season full bore uh, we're going to do significantly longer reviews and those are actually going to come off of a master list that we select from at random so we never really know exactly what film we're going to be looking at it's a lot of fun allows us to check out some films that are sort of outside the usual radar so hey maybe we'll get uh, Moonrise Kingdom or Grand Budapest Hotel and I'm pretty sure we have Fantastic Mr. Fox on there as well fingers crossed so, should be fun yeah Now, one other thing I loved about this film is that there's a lot of really specific moments in the film that work because they're either beautiful or they're creative or what have you. Right off the bat, I love the way the film pretty much opens on that sort of rotating dumbwaiter and everybody's coming through and like rotating it and putting like a different item on as it goes around and we hear the music and it's just a sort of static shot there, right? Uh, I love the way that Owen Wilson is sort of walking up the static prescindian shot and like popping up here and there on the stairs of the hotel and the windows. You mentioned the the tableau sequence, which I really loved. That was amazing. And then there's also a really great scene in the jail where it shows a passage of time. It's very, very simply done where they have a I believe it's a de-aged Benicio del Toro. And he's like sitting there, uh, you know, it's at, in, in actually an actor. And, and oh, it is. It's an actor. Great. OK. And so, yeah, and then uh, Benicio del Toro, the old and actual Benicio del Toro, just comes in and taps him on the shoulder. Uh, the guy gets up and moves, and Benicio del Toro sits down. Really creative way of showing this tremendous passage of time. And so, and then even you mentioned at the very top, uh, this whole ass animated sequence that's done in the style of uh, French comic book artist Mobius, you know? Uh, very famous over there. So just, again, like, <laughs> right. kitchen sink approach to filmmaking, right? Like, just everything in there all at once. Uh, everything everywhere all at once, right? That's uh, that's this film. It but to is, be able so. to do
1: it with such precision and such detail, like... Yeah, I don't know definitely. how that man spins so many plates, does all these things so well um, in so many different, you know, uh, mediums. And then also cranks out movies so quickly. I mean, this guy's got... Yeah. Uh, like a, a Woody Allen release schedule where he's got movies coming out literally <laughs> every other year. Uh, it's bananas that uh, he's already working on the next one and he just dropped Asteroid City. So, um, wow. I mean, I think it's just studios love him. He's an indie darling. He wins a ton of aw- wins a ton of awards and, uh, uh, you know, well, don't he forget gets his, his money back. money,
0: too. That's the thing. His films make money, which is why he gets yeah. to keep making them.
1: And they don't cost very much. Uh, I think this was like 25 million. Um, and he, you know, brought yeah. in That's about his average about 50 million. Probably. So he's like doubling his budget always. So yeah. can't, can't hate on that. Good on him, man.
0: So with that being said, we'll go ahead and wrap this up here with a feature that we like to do on this program called three adjectives. Right. That's where we give our three adjectives that best describe our response to the film in question. Ryan, Give us your three adjectives that best wrap up your experience with The French Dispatch.
1: Uh, This one's going to be quick and easy. Um, It's stuffed because it is. For an hour and a half film, this movie is stuffed to the the gills um, with everything you could imagine. From the dialogue, like we said, the literary monologues, the visuals, the different mediums, all the things. Uh, For an hour and a half film, you're getting your freaking money's worth. Uh, The next one is perfect (laughs) because for as stuffed as it is, um, not a hair is out of place. Everything is just exactly the way he wants it to be. Uh, I could only imagine, uh, you know, I hope he sleeps well at night cause <laughs> he did a great job. Uh, then the last one is niche because you really have to be in the mood for this. These are not films you could recommend to just everybody. I don't know that my parents would like this movie. I personally love these movies. Um, you just really got to be in the mood for them. They are very niche yeah. and they are what they are. So, but if you are in the mood for them, they are perfect and they are stuffed. So good for you. <laughs> good on Absolutely. you. Do the thing. Enjoy <laughs> it. Eat it up.
0: Definitely. All right. For mine, I'm going to go with what I call my alliterative edition. This is where I just do like a uh, so little alliterations with these. Um, so here we go. Three alliterations back to back. First is wonderfully whimsical. The second is stylistically self-assured. That's a triple. That one's really good. Damn. Yeah, that's a good have- one. Charming as a cherub. And let me tell you, I've met many a cherub and they are all equally charming. Love those guys. All of this West amount of star to rating
1: of
0: for Jason of four and a quarter out of five stars. How about for you, buddy?
1: Yeah, I'm giving this one four and a half stars, man. I love this movie. Awesome. It's as close to perfect as you can get. um You know, uh, I, I don't even know why I didn't give it five stars. I probably should have, but four and a half. <laughs> for me,
0: it's just, again, like, e- even though I don't usually like anthologies i will say that in this respect i like this one way more than like most all the other ones i've seen but it still was a thing where it's like okay you know like these are cartoon characters right like it's a series of short stories like i can only get so invested in what's going on but um i'm not gonna say it's all style and no substance because i think there is substance there but i think it's way more style than substance right. and so it's great it's awesome i loved it we just talked about all that and more but I can only become so emotionally invested in that, I guess, is what it is. I'll but agree with it you It knows what it is, and it's not making apologies,
1: you know? Right. And I'll agree with you there and raise you the fact that you really do, like, you really got to be in the mood for something like this. Um, whereas, like, I think the Coens are more five-star for me because it's just like like Ballad of Buster Scruggs or, you know, Fargo or something like that. Like, that can just be on television, and I'll leave it on. Like, I just love those movies so much. And I do think yeah. also that Wes Anderson has given us those movies, that i've seen that again like a life aquatic or or royal tenenbaums or something like that that um or fantastic mr fox That if it's on i'll I'll leave it on i could watch those any day of the week any moment in time this one you know uh, i can't just depending on who i have over if we're going to watch a movie together i would skip past this in a lot of cases i wouldn't recommend this to just anybody (laughs) you really got to be a film nerd uh, or a literary nerd to really appreciate this but if you are man this is the best version of that thing so four and a half stars
0: Absolutely. And if you are, go ahead and please leave a comment in the comment section below. Let us know what you thought about this movie, what you thought about our review. And then, of course, do show us that love with that like and subscribe. It really helps us out with the algorithm. We appreciate it. For Jason Peters and Ryan Siebold, this has been Esoterica Cinema. Thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy the movies.